Thanks for checking out a sermon from First United Methodist Church located in Sheridan, Wyoming. To learn more about who we are, please check out our webpage at fumcsheridanwy.org. Deuteronomy 34, verses 1 through 12, which happens to be the, the last chapter in the book of Deuteronomy. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Fishgah, which is opposite of Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land of Gilead, as far as Dan, and all in Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the Negeb, and the plain, that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. The Lord said to him, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to you, your descendants. I have, I have let you see it with your own eyes, but you shall not cross over there. Then Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, and the Lord's command, and at the Lord's command, he was buried in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Ben-Perhor, but no one shows him knows his burial place to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His sight was unimpaired and his vigor had not abated. The Israelites wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days, then the period of mourning for Moses was ended. Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him and the Israelites obeyed him, doing as the Lord commanded Moses. Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unequal for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against the Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land and for all the mighty deeds and all the terrifying displays of power that Moses performed in the sight of Israel. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever felt that life just wasn't fair? For instance, I've been grilling hot dogs and hamburgers and a, and a steak or two for, for a lot of years. Um, I've spent lots of time barbecuing um, pork shoulders and, and uh, chicken and ribs. And a number of years ago, I got into smoking meats, um, you know, make, making our own bacon, smoking cheese, uh, meat sticks, brisket and the like. I've, I've got quite a library of, of smoking and grilling books. I, I've watched the Cooking Channel and, and, and YouTube presentations on how to perfect the craft. And I've dreamt of having a Traeger pellet grill. Not only have I dreamt of it, I've convinced myself I deserve one. Well, when was it, Bob? Last, last spring? last late fall, I get this call from Bob Hall, my good friend. And Bob says, Don, I found a free Traeger grill on the, on, on upcycle. 
Can we use your truck to go get it for me? <laughs> About a month ago, six weeks ago, my friend and our pastor, Jim Barth, is bragging to me, hey, I got a free Traeger grill. <laughs> About three weeks ago, I was visiting with someone, telling them about my enjoyment of, of smoking meat and this sort of thing. And they said, well, did you know that Bob Brotherton's son gave him a free Traeger grill? <laughs> now, mind you, I, I, I don't hold it against my friends. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for them. Um, yes, I am. <laughs> I, I, I'm happy for them. Because I know, I, know, I know Bob and I, you know, Bob Brotherton is in and out so much. I don't know so much about Bob. But, but, but Bob Hall and Jim, they're going to let me come down and help them, and, and we'll learn some things together because I know so much more about it than they do. Um, so I don't begrudge them. Um, it's just that life isn't fair. If anybody deserved one of those free, it, it was me. Now, mind you, they were all used, and they were all broken, but the repairs were easy. I mean, Jim fixed it. <laughs> so, I mean, how, how, tough, how tough could it have been? And that's just one example of, of how, how life can be so unfair. Um, at times, I feel like red buttons. Remember red buttons? What do you remember about red buttons? He never got a dinner. And he constantly reminded us of that. You know, an another example of how life is unfair to me is while I'm enjoying feeling sorry for myself because I didn't get a free grill, um, I start preparing for today's service and I read this text about Moses. And I can't even feel sorry for myself anymore because there are those who have, well, there are those for whom life is so much more unfair than it has been for me. Pray with me. God of grace and glory, at times we all feel life is unfair. We feel like we've been treated poorly. Speak to us through the hymns and the prayers and the scripture and the words that I share. The, speak to us the message you have for us today. A message to encourage us to face those frustrating times in our lives and to find the means to put our faith in you, our trust in your promises, and to know your presence. In the name of Jesus, who in this life was so unfairly treated, I pray. Amen. So here we have Moses. And most of us know the story of Moses. You know, he spent four decades leading an ungrateful, contentious, obstinately uncooperative mob of slaves and their descendants out of Egypt, into the wilderness, across the desert, headed to the land of Canaan. The land promised them by God. I mean, Moses had left uh, a settled life as a shepherd, taking care of his father-in-law Jethro's sheep. He'd left his family, and he returned to Egypt, where he was both wanted 
and unwanted. He was unwanted by his adopted brother, who was now Pharaoh, who hoped to never see him again. And he was wanted because the reason he'd left Egypt in the first place is because he had killed an Egyptian overruler uh, who was beating the Hebrew slave. And then when he got back to Egypt, he had to convince the Israelites to take the risk to follow him out of Egypt. Not an easy task. And once he'd convinced them, then he had to convince Pharaoh to let the people go. And Pharaoh had no desire to let the slaves go. But with the help of God's ten plagues, Moses is finally able to get Pharaoh to let the people go. But getting the Israelites from Goshen to the banks of the Jordan was like herding cats, only harder. I mean, during the years in the wilderness, these fickle Israelites complained. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They were tired. I mean, they they didn't trust God. They wouldn't trust Moses. And so often, all Moses heard was, we want to go back to the flesh pots in Egypt. Yet, somehow... Moses held this massive group together and got them at last to the borders of the promised land. For sure, no picnic, no cakewalk, no walk in the park. And now, with the charges about ready to enter into the land, reportedly flowing with milk and honey, God tells Moses, see all that land? That's the land I promised to to Abraham and, and Sarah. But you don't get to go there. I mean, life can be so unfair. I mean, I, I can just imagine Moses as I project myself into, into his skin. Yahweh, you've got to be kidding. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't want to return to Egypt, but, but you who are who you are made me do it. And so I went back and I went through all of that and, and I led your people through the wilderness and, and now you're saying I don't get to enjoy the fruits of my labors? I don't get to laugh and sing and dance and, and make merry with my people? That's just rude. I've led this unappreciative grumbling group for 40 years and this is the thanks I get? That's just unfair. Now, in truth, we don't know how Moses felt. I mean, if he'd had thoughts like that, could any of us really blame him? I mean, surely this privilege of entering the promised land should have been reserved for Moses. He'd earned it through his blood, sweat, tears, prayers, grit. It was rightfully his. He was entitled to some milk and honey. But God said, no. I do suspect because of Moses' long relationship with God as one who saw God face to face as no other had, Moses had learned to trust God. And maybe Moses understood that in some way he'd brought this on himself because he disobeyed God. You know, God told him to tell the rock to spew forth water. But Moses took his staff and hit the rock twice, thus making it look like he was doing it. And God wasn't too happy with that. So 
And maybe after 40 years of leading these people and at 120 years of age, maybe he was just tired, ready to die. You know, in, in, in Numbers, Moses has this, this interesting phrase. He's talking to God and he says to God, those people you gave me. Yeah, maybe he's ready to have them go in and I'm, I'm, I'm done. But how do we feel? How do we feel when life shortchanges us? When we've paid our dues, done our homework, burned the midnight oil, kept our shoulder to the, uh, to the wheel and our nose to the grindstone. When we've, when we've poured out our heart and our mind and our strength and our sweat, um, reaching for a goal to fulfill a dream, and then find the reward goes to someone else. What does that do for us or to us? When like Moses, we're, we're kept out of our personal promised lands for no more reason than that's, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Can we carry on without letting the disappointment make us bitter or cause us to give up? Can we remain healthy and maintain our faith in God despite such events? I mean, this, this capricious unraveling of legitimately earned fulfillment happens to most of us at some time or other. I mean, it happens when we realize that our marriage, though intact, is never going to reach the level of companionship and fulfillment for which we hoped. It happens when the company that, that we worked for for so many years overlooks us for a deserved promotion. Or worse, downsizes us out of our job, leaving us without the expected and promised pension. It happens when we reach retirement with plans to travel or enjoy a life of leisure, only to have it shot down by a sudden loss of health. I mean, the list of the ways it happens can be as extensive and as personal as our responses to it, as we feel the injustice of it all when goals we have worked for are snatched away, just as we finally near them, it can feel unjust. Yet in life as we want it to be, sometimes things just work out that way. And one reason, I think, for being closed out of personal promised lands comes as such a blow is because of the myth we've been taught. I mean, weren't most of us taught that if we want something bad enough, and if we work for it hard enough, and if we sacrifice long enough, we can achieve it. And so we, so, so we go around with this never-say-die attitude long after reality has firmly shut certain doors. The fact is, in life, we don't always win. We have no guarantee of happy endings. We don't always get what we deserve, good or bad. Just as, well, I love Rabbi Harold Kushner in, in his book, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. He reminds us that sometimes bad things happen to good people. And sometimes good things happen to bad people. Yet, 
I think there are some things we can do to help us survive these times when life slams the door in our face. One is to try to remember that life is more than achieving goals. On, on her motorcycle jacket, Zell has a patch that reads, it's the journey, not the destination. And I think she put it there where I can see it just for me. Because I tend to be a point A to point B person. And being a point A to point B person, sometimes I miss so much of the journey, the joy of the journey. I'm so intent on getting to the destination that I miss so much. We need to be reminded that sometimes it's not our goals and our arrival at them, but the journey that's the main event. Thus, when deprived entry into an expected promised land, what might happen if we looked back to see what we can learn from and celebrate about the adventure? Doing so, we begin to let go of the past and pay more attention to the future, to the path ahead. You know, even when our goals are thwarted, life continues. The journey goes on. As Jimmy Buffett suggested after Hurricane Katrina that interrupted the lives of so many, don't try to explain it. Just bow your head. Breathe in. Breathe out. Move on. Another thing we can do when faced with slam doors is to look for the open doors that we previously ignored or passed by. And although it can be painful to begin again, we can consider, where does God want me to go from here? Can we let go of the disappointments of the past and, and begin to look forward to the potential joy of the next adventure? For sure, it's not easy. I have a friend who says that, that while it's true, when one door closes, another opens. The hallway between the two may be like going through hell. Yet, the new door is there, and the possibilities are limited only by our attitude. A third, although I'm not suggesting God closes doors just to teach us a lesson, we can seek to carry away from these great disappointments whatever helpful lesson we can learn. And one of those things is the meaning that comes to us as we learn to let go. Clear expectations can bring about clear commitment. But expectations can be a prelude to disappointment. So when life doesn't seem fair, what might happen if we checked our expectations? Were they realistic? And in what ways have we participated in our own disappointment? You know, my goal, my stated goal, was ordination as an elder in the United Methodist Church. Yet, as that was delayed for a number of reasons, I began to realize my expectations, though part of my real goal, was to somehow achieve instant respectability. 
wisdom, authority. Those things I assumed would become automatically as I was ordained a minister. When the bishop laid her hand on me, somehow that was going to happen. And you know what? It didn't. What I realized was respect and wisdom and authority and they're earned, not given. I, I had the goal to get a Winston fly rod, yeah, one of the best fly rods made. And of course, my expectation was when I got one, I'd be a much better fly fisherman. <laughs> what are you laughing about, Ken? I have the goal of getting a Martin guitar, and I know when I get one, I'm going to be a much better musician. But I, I've got one, and it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sometimes we forget in our expectations that it requires something from us. Carl Jung said that, that at times our enemies and our adversaries in life can be our best teachers. What can we learn about ourselves and our goals and our purpose when life seems unfair? And more important, what can we learn about God? Because there's a larger faith issue beyond whatever survival mechanisms we can find when life gets tough. Can we trust God? The big slam doors of life are not God snatching away from us something we feel God promised us. You know, although the Hebrews were headed for a land promised them as children of Abraham and Sarah, Moses had no promise from God that he personally would enter it. It's that way in our lives too. God is with us. But when we lose a job or a marriage or an expected goal, that's not God going back on God's word. God never promised us those things. Do you, do you remember Lynn Anderson's song? I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. Along with the sunshine, there's got to be a little rain sometime. When you take, you got to give. So live and let live or let go. Can we trust God? to give us what God has promised. And despite what some may say, God never promised we won't have to give up things in life. Remember he told the rich young ruler in Luke 18, you lack one thing, go sell all that you own and give the money to the poor, then you will have treasure in heaven. And in Matthew 19, when speaking of wealth, he said, it's harder for a rich man to get into, the, into heaven than for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. In Mark 10, if anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Matthew 20, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. No, God never promised us in this life a rose garden. But what God has promised us is to be with us through whatever happens. In Jeremiah 29, God says, For surely I know the plans I have for you, plans for your welfare and not for harm. I give you a future with hope, 
Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord. And in Matthew 28, Jesus promised, Lo, I am with you always. How long? Even to the ends of the age. And God promised that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Not disappointment, not slammed doors, not pain or worry, not tragedy or death. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome, What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything, anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And God has promised us another world beyond this one. The ultimate promised land towards which we go. John 14, Jesus' words, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In God's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. This knowledge about God may not make things less painful now. But it can give us a way to continue through and beyond great loss. It can permit us to walk away from the tombs of our former hopes when the burial of those hopes is over and done. And it can help us remember that we're not failures as people, even though some of our important dreams and hopes and goals have not been achieved. The finest kind of faith is not that which grows out of easy times, but that which continues to trust God's presence and God's promises, despite being closed out of where we had wanted and expected to go. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon. We would love for you to join us again for worship in person or online, and we look forward to being with you next time.